Hello, Miami. This is 305 Sports Now, your home podcast for all things Miami sports related. I am Will, and if you're wondering why this is airing on a Tuesday and not a Monday, it's because we have a special guest for you today. It is Local 10's WPLG's very own sports anchor, Clay Ferraro. Hey, Clay, how are you? What's up, Will? How are we doing today? Doing well, doing very well. I am so happy to, to talk about what is, uh, what is the buzz here in town, and that is Miami Heat basketball. But before we begin, um, you have a very – I was doing some homework on you, like we talked about before the show started, <laughs> you know, and uh, you, have a very, uh, you have a very fun sports history and, and, how, uh, and how you got involved in television. Would, would you like to share that with the South Florida crowd? Sure. I, I, I joked about this, but it's probably true. You probably know more about me now than I do because my kids have killed my brain cells over the last few <laughs> years. But uh, it, no, when I was a kid, when I was when I was little, my my dad had one of those old school satellite dishes. He was you know, he was a big Yankee fan. We live in Louisiana and he's a big Yankee fan. So we want to be able to watch the, the Yankee games. Well, I happened to stay up late one night, was playing around with the dish and I found a, a station called Prime Ticket which was the West Coast affiliate of what is now like the Valley Sports, Fox Sports family. So it was the, the station that broadcast all the L.A. Lakers games. And this was in the mid-80s, man. And, and you were talking the, the peak of the Showtime Lakers with Magic Johnson and James Worthy and um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Byron Scott. I mean, I could, I could go down the list. It was, it was my love. But what I really loved, I would sit there and I, I had one of those suction cup basketball hoops that I would stick up on the, on the glass glass window and and I would pretend to be Magic Johnson but I would call the game like the famous Lakers broadcaster Chick Hearn and I can still remember to this day I mean when the Lakers would have a game where they were leading by like 10 points with a couple of minutes to go Chick would go and the Lakers had this game in the refrigerator the door is closed the lights are out the eggs are cooling the butter is getting hard and the jello is jiggling and like I just I loved Chick Hearn and I wanted to to have his job one day. And so I I think that's where the bug kind of started. And then, you know, as you get older, you go through a few different things as far as, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and so I, I still knew that deep in my heart, I wanted to, to get into sports media in, in some capacity. And then I just happened to be at Virginia Tech when they went to the national championship game with Michael Vick and I happened to catch on with the TV station there. And, you know, it was, it was one of those things where you were fortunate that you were there at a time when things were growing and happening. And so you, you kind of get to see how the, how the hot dog is made on the national level and things like that. Cause you're just kind of around people that are, that are covering the team and things like that. So you, so you get to learn a little bit more. And so I, I realized that this is this is what I wanted to do. And this was this made more sense to me because I knew I eventually wanted to have a family and uh, you wouldn't necessarily have to be on the road all the time. So you you start to research how you get into this and uh, put a tape together, ended up in tiny San Angelo, Texas, then all the way up to Idaho. You go wherever the job is, all the way up to Idaho Falls, then Fort Myers, Florida for for a while. And then uh, thankfully ended up here in South Florida and, and seem to be here at a great time right now. I happen to get here tail end of the big three era. And, uh, and, and then now we're, we're kind of getting back to a point where, you know, we had one heat finals run already and hopefully we got another one coming up. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I want to touch upon, you know, cause you bounced around a bit, you know, from Texas and so on. And then from Idaho, mm-hmm. you spent 11 years in Fort Myers uh, you're, you're a dad, you know, with, with three yep. kids. So I want to ask, you know, did you meet your wife here in South Florida or did you meet your wife in Fort Myers? That's a lot of bouncing. 
<laughs> no, it was in Fort. It was in Fort Myers, and it's funny. Okay. You know, I, I think I don't know how much you talk about this on your show, but you, you and I are both talking before the show. We're both yeah. spiritual guys and, yes. and Christians, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I it was during that time in Fort Myers that I learned everything kind of happens for a reason, and. I, I don't want to use the term got stuck there, but I got stuck there. Uh, I happened to buy a house right before the housing market collapsed. And, um, you know, we had no idea it was coming. This was back in, in 2004, 2003, when I ended up purchasing it was a condo. And, you know, I mean, it, it bottomed out big time, cratered. And, and I couldn't get out of it, um, you know, because of how much money we ended up, ended up, would have ended up losing had I decided to sell. So, you know, what I viewed as, hey, maybe a two, three year stop in Fort Myers turned into much longer than that. Uh, But you kind of realize that, man, every place is what you make of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, did I plan on being there that long? No. But, man, I I made lifelong friends and I had the time of my life there and I ended up meeting my wife. And it was funny. I I met my wife right before the housing market fully came back. And and eventually we were able to sell the home and um move out and start to job hunt a little bit and and the job down here in South Florida popped up with local 10. And so, you know, you just kind of look back and you're like, oh, so that's why that happened at the time. And and you kind of follow the you know, follow the tracks there. And it just couldn't have worked out better for me. You know, I, I probably let's say I would have left there after three years like I had wanted to. Well maybe I end up going somewhere, you know, I, I had a couple of jobs, a couple of places that were that were interested along the way, but you know, had I taken one of those jobs, who knows if it had worked that it would have worked out as well as it did. You know, who knows if I, I obviously don't meet my wife because I would have been somewhere else. And yeah. who knows if I ever end up at a station like Local Ten. So you know, everything happens for a reason. And uh, so yeah, I ended up meeting my wife in Fort Myers. She's a teacher, and now that we're we're here in South Florida, she took a couple of years off to uh, to to raise our kids when they were really little, and now that they're getting a little bit older into school age, she's she's teaching at the school where they attend. So it's a uh, pretty sweet deal for us yeah that's a great story by the way I really enjoy, I really like that you know it's really enjoyable it's, it's very nice it's true everything does happen for a reason you know and I think there's a reason why you're here uh you're here in South Florida because uh you know God's placed you there I will say that absolutely you know absolutely. God puts you in that yep. position. And, and look I, I and I don't this isn't a joke this is this isn't me like coming on and BSing because like I I you know I'm, I'm trying to like make my station look good I've worked, you said I've worked a lot of places. I've never been yeah. in a place like Local 10. Like it's it's a family. It's, there's a reason why people don't leave. Um, you know, so it's not just because they're my current employer, but because I've seen what it's like other places. And look, I, I loved all the places I worked. I, I have great relationships with it. It's not like they were bad. It wasn't a negative experience anywhere. But there's a reason why people stay here. There's a reason why people stay at Local 10 for a long time. And God placed me here for a reason. And I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing, one thing also, is, uh, I'm glad that you're local 10 and I'm glad you're local 10 is because, you know, local 10 has always had really good sports broadcasters, historically speaking, you know, from guys like Jim Mandich, you know, Will Manso, you know, and so yeah. on and, and, uh, and so on and, and yourself. One thing that I really enjoy is watching you break your break down, you know, basically uh, the Dolphins break down the heat and you're very analytical when it comes to, you know, what you see on the basketball court or even on the football field. Uh, so, uh, so what, and, and you see it every Sunday, you know, on sports Sunday at, at the at local 10, but one of the things that I want to talk to you about is obviously the Miami heat because the Miami heat are the number one seed, the playoffs start this weekend. And, uh, earlier this season, earlier in the season, the Miami heat were speculated to finish fourth or fifth, similar to what they finished last year when they got swept by the Milwaukee bucks, the Miami heat are in first place. And I think, 
And I think one of the main reasons why they are in first place is because number one, there is a culture with that team that emphasizes strongly in winning and teamwork. And number two, uh, although the Heat aren't very well known for drafting, you know, uh, uh, enjoying, you know, the young guys in particular, but they sure know how to develop them. All right, guys like Caleb Lamar and guys like Max Drews, guys like Gabe Vincent, guys like Omar Yurtsen. So, uh, and the Heat are in first place. Jimmy Butler's missed a, a lot of time this season. So has Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero included in that, Kyle Lyre included in that, and they're still in first place, and they've beaten some very dominant teams. So what can you say about uh, player development that, that makes this team so darn successful? Oh, it's, it's incredible. And when you make the run to the one seed like this in a year where you're still battling COVID, you still have injuries, you, you have an, an older team, relatively speaking, to the rest of the NBA. And some of your key contributors are guys like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker, guys that are you know, up there in age NBA-wise. They're still, still mm -hmm. younger than I am, but they're up there in age NBA-wise. You have to find a way to raise your floor. And the way you do that is the guys who are going to be taking the minutes of those players when they're out because of injury or illness or, or just plain rest have to be better. And they have to be better than everybody else's 10th, 11th, 12th guys around the league. And that's what they've done a fantastic job with. And the one thing that I think people look at heat culture and they think that heat fans just think that you put anybody in the heat building no. and they will magically become better than they are. And that's not the case. What the Heat do is they do their homework on the people first. They don't just say, oh, this guy is talented. Let's bring him in here and, and let's, let's just see if it works out. No, the players who succeed here are the players who bust their you-know-what and take advantage of everything that the Heat offer them. And so, hey, if you want to stay at the gym for eight hours after practice and, and work on, on a hook shot, if you want to do that, the Heat will supply you with somebody, an assistant coach, to work with you. They will let you push your limits as far as you're willing to push. But it takes a certain mindset in a person, in a player, to want to push themselves to that level and put in the extra work that's, that's necessary. So, I mean, it's that sort of thing, Will, that I don't, I don't think people quite grasp. that it's, it's not that you just show up in the heat building and whoever you are, you all of a sudden become a better version of yourself. It's you have to be the type of person who's willing to put in the work, who's willing to deal with criticism. You, I mean, look, let's go back to the, the altercation between Jimmy Butler yeah. and Eric Spolstra. I mean, that, that doesn't turn out well most places. So you have to have a different mindset. You have to be able to come in here, work, take criticism, and, and take advantage of every asset that's offered to you. And, and every player that you mentioned has done that. And, you know, you go back, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson turned himself into the best player that he could be. And he got himself a big contract. James Johnson, same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people who, when they came here, they, Hassan Whiteside, they put in the work. I mean, you can say what you want about what happened after the fact, but he gave those guys the contracts they did in part because they showed the work ethic before they got the deal. And so, yeah, when you're looking at this season and guys like Caleb Martin, who Charlotte just kicked out the door, well, the Heat saw that he had athletic ability. But if he had just shown up and, you know, gone to practice and gone home and, and played Xbox or something, then he doesn't turn into the player that he did. But because he came here and he was willing to put in the extra work, he's become an invaluable player on this team and somebody who I think is going to get legitimate minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and uh, and not only that, like Max Drews as well. You know, Max Drews That's is another one. Yeah. You know, has, has been unbelievable as well. Basically, when everybody's number has been called, they've been the ultimate professional. They've come in and they've contributed. 
And one thing I will say about Kayla Martin, Max Drews, and also Gabe Vincent is that they're not only just one-trick ponies. They play defense, they take charges, yep. and they also know how to create their own shot. So that's something that is, uh, that is, that is wicked in the playoffs for the Miami Heat, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of them being successful uh, throughout, uh, throughout this run. But uh, one thing, I mean, Jimmy Butler is a heart and soul of this team. He's, uh, he's the team captain. You know, him and Bam, you know, the heart and soul of this team, team captain. Uh, but one thing that I uh, – you mentioned the altercation, that he would end up losing four straight games during that period. They won six straight games until losing to Orlando, which was a meaningless game, which we're going to talk about, but it was a meaningless game. But five out of those six games, you and Will Manso brought it up in, in, in Sunday sports, in your Sunday sports show – Kyle Lowry has been unbelievable throughout that run uh, in five out of six games. As a matter of fact, in five games during that win streak, Kyle Lowry has averaged 16 points per game and seven assists per game. He's been basically a dual threat, you know, in terms of passing the ball and also in terms of scoring, which pretty much has shaken up uh, the uh, defensive opponents. Um, Kyle Lowry mentioned earlier in the year when they criticized the fact he wasn't aggressive enough come playoff time or when it's time to shine, I'm going to do it. You know, is this something that that was expect that you might have expected to happen, or did it catch you by surprise? It caught me by surprise in this respect. I think Kyle felt like throughout the the entire season. Now, was it that he just started working harder on on offense and trying to score more, or was it that he felt like the first? I don't know, 60 plus games of the season, it was more important for him to get everybody else involved. And, and did he think maybe that, that the best version of himself on this team was getting other people involved as opposed to scoring himself? So it surprised me in the sense that it just seemed to happen like that, right? And it's not that Kyle Lowry didn't want to win basketball games before. Something happened to where he realized, look, I got to score on this team. And what I found really interesting, Will, was there was a moment and, and it was after the altercation in the heat huddle. And, and I don't think I'm giving away company secrets here. Kyle Lowry is somebody who didn't talk to the media very often this year. There's a reason why he didn't hear a lot of sound bites on Local 10 from Kyle Lowry. And it's not because we just choose not to. It's not that he, like, refused. It's just that he's not somebody that if you ask the typical, like, blase, day-to-day, so uh, what were you thinking on this play, blah, blah, blah. He just, he's been around too long. He doesn't suffer those kind of nonsense questions. But there was a moment after that altercation that really stuck out to me, and I kind of like made a, a mental note of it at the time. Usually Eric Spolster is the first person to talk to the media after the game is over. First person that walked up after Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler and, and Udonis Haslam were going at it. And I was told that, that uh, media requested both Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam to talk that night. The first person to come talk to the media was not Eric Spolstra, was not either of the two people involved in the altercation, either of the two players. It was Kyle Lowry. And he walked up there and, and he just grabbed the microphone, sat down. He knew exactly what question was coming. And he even like he even acted like he gave this natural reaction to it. If you go back and you look, he was asked and he goes, oh, man, that's crazy. But that's passion. That's what we're about. I mean, like, yeah. It was that moment to me, Will, that this became Kyle Lowry's team. And I know that's crazy to say when you've got somebody who, when Jimmy Butler is still the best all-around player, I think Tyler Hero, you can make the case, has emerged as the best scorer yeah. on this team. Bam Adebayo, clearly the best defensive player and and maybe the most important player to everything they do when you factor in offensive and defensive side sides of the court. But it was that moment to me, Will, that this became Kyle Lowry's team. And it wasn't just the scoring 
it was that he sensed that this team needed something both on and off the court that at that moment it was lacking. And they went out and, and then they blew a big lead against the Knicks. And then they got doors blown off of them by Brooklyn. And then Eric Spolster puts Max Struess in the starting lineup. And it just, it felt like the combination of all of that stuff coming together and this becoming Kyle Lowry's team was the turning point in this heat season. And look, if they go on to win a championship or even make the NBA finals, they're going to be talking on DVDs about how crazy that moment was in, in the huddle against Golden State and how it propelled them to, to this run. And, and yet I, I think it was more than that. I, I think it was Kyle Lowry kind of sensing that this thing was kind of on the brink a little bit. And, and yeah, there is the heat culture thing that you're allowed to yell at each other and then you'll be okay. But somebody had to step in and kind of be the good cop. And, you know, I, I think Kyle Lowry told us before the season, he said, look, I know how Jimmy is. And this was the first Q and a that he did when he got here. Um, actually it was a zoom before he even got here. And he said, look, I know what Jimmy's like. I know that he yells and curses and screams. He's one of my best friends on this planet. I also know that there's a time to be soft. There's a time to be the good cop. There's a time to go over and talk to the guy that Jimmy's yelling at and say, look, it's okay. This is, and I think it was that point where Kyle sensed that he kind of had to be the yin to Jimmy Yang a little bit. Okay. Question about that as well. Um, the Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry emerging as, as team leader uh, during that process was great. But I do want to talk about rotations. Uh, one, thing, one thing that is noticeable and all the fans know is that Duncan Robinson was taken out of the lineup as a starter in place for Max Struess. Max Struess, uh, although let's, let's be honest, Duncan Robinson is a lights out shooter when he's on. But Max Drews is a heck of a defender, is a heck of a defender. He shoots a very good three. I believe he's second on the team in threes in 68 games played. You know, so, I mean, there was a, a defensive change and an offensive change when Max Drews was injected in, in, into the lineup, was it not? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's a few things. It's, you know, Duncan's playing because, number one, it's what's worked. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to – make the decision to shake up a lineup when you're in first in the East and everything is going smoothly. And, and he also creates that gravity that they always say. And, and honestly, the gravity for Duncan Robinson may be unlike anybody in the NBA, even when he's missing teams know where he is at all times and they feel like they have to go. But if you notice as the season went on, not only was he starting to miss some shots a little bit, but teams were kind of figuring out how to put him in uncomfortable spots. Mm -hmm. and it also kind of – because, you know, part of the, the Heat offense is the, the two-man game, the pick and pop, the, yeah. the uh, uh, screen and pass between Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson. They had this great chemistry doing it. Teams started throwing that off a little bit. And so when you're starting to see the things that made Duncan such an asset in the starting lineup mitigated a bit by other teams – then you're starting to look at the things that he doesn't do well and it's defense. And I mean, I, this we're, we're speaking bluntly here. He's not a good yeah. defender. He's a bad no, he's defender. not. And he works hard. I mean, he does what he can, but Hey, I mean, the poor guy, like whenever he gets anywhere near a guy, he gets called for a foul yeah. and you know, whether it's, it's legitimate or not, that's a problem. Max Struess, on the other hand, he, he's not as good of a shooter as Duncan. The percentages are, are close, but I don't think anybody like if you're telling me I want somebody to be on three three point shootout tomorrow, I'm taking Duncan Robinson over Max Struess. Yeah, but Max Struess is a much more complete offensive player. Yes. He's much more of a threat in in transition. He's somebody who like man, if you Duncan got better at driving to the basket, Max Struess is a problem driving to the basket. I mean, he's somebody that he's strong. He's going to take contact and finish. 
And then the defense is, you know, I don't think anybody's going to put him on the NBA all defensive team anytime soon. But look, man, Jason Tatum was targeting him at the end of that Celtics game. And he held his own and and he he became up some huge defensive plays down the stretch. Mm -hmm. So you have somebody who is at least not a big step down offensively from Duncan. You can make the case he's a better all around offensive player, but he's also a much better defensive player. And, and with that in mind, it was a no brainer. And, and I don't think we're going back anytime soon. Yeah. That Celtics game, they won that game because of Max Bruce's defense. Huge. The charge no against Jason Tatum, you know, he had, the, he, had no key, he had two key blocks he, and his scoring as well. They won that, that, that game, you know, defensively because of Max Ruse. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, the eye test and the statistics just flat out show it. So now we're going to talk. And, and let about, me add one more thing. Well, go, like go, there, go, there's a point where like when you're, when you're, and we're going to talk about the rotations, but when you're trying to yeah. figure out what the rotations are, you can't have two defensive liabilities on the floor at the same time in the playoffs. No. And you're going to have one with Tyler Hero. Because yeah. you have to play him. Like, there's no – you can't keep Tyler Hero on the bench, yeah. especially at crunch time. So, you know, I I think you're running out of, of potential minutes for Duncan Robinson if he's not going to start the first and third. He's not going to play at the end of the game. And it only makes sense then to put somebody out there who kind of levels off everything, uh, you know, in, in a Max Struess. Yeah, so th- thank you for leading me into the, the whole rotation segment of the playoffs because <laughs> the playoffs are this weekend. We have no idea who the Heat are playing. You know, and uh, and and hopefully Bam will be okay to be cleared because he's, he was placed on protocols by the NBA. You know, so hopefully that uh, that all squares away. But we got to talk rotations because uh, when the Heat were going on their losing, uh, had their losing streak, uh, people were looking at Victor Oladipo maybe not being ready to come back as well as Mar- as well as, uh, as Marquise Morris. But you can't ignore the last two times that Victor Oladipo's been out there. He's just flat out bald. You know, and against the Orlando Magic, I know it's the Magic, but still, it's still an NBA basket. It's still an NBA team. In general, he just went nuts. I mean, light on his feet, shooting threes, dunking the basketball, distributing to his teammates. You know, defensively, he was out there. I mean, I mean, Victor has looked great the last two games he plays. So, how does Eric Spolstra juggle that rotation? Does he maybe one game, depending on the matchup, put Victor in? you know, as, as a starter or may, or, or, or just maintain, you know, the Max Struess thing or like, what, what, what do you think? Because I think Eric Spolster has a lot of toys to play with. He does. And, and this is, this is tough to say because you're right. Victor Oladipo has looked really, really good, especially the, the Toronto game. I thought not, not only did he score, but he was impactful. He impacted mm-hmm. winning, um, you know, and obviously the Orlando game, they lost the game, but he scored a lot. I don't see a role for him on a game-by-game basis. And I know that's crazy to say. Now, I do think, Will, he's the ultimate break in case of emergency, right? Like if you start to fall behind and you need a a spurt offensively and the other team just just has a fix for Tyler Hero or Tyler's having an off night or something like that, then that's maybe when you put an Oladipo out there. But here's the problem. And when you're going through the rotations – you know, obviously your starters are set, right? You're not going to mess with with Jimmy and Kyle and, and Max Struess and P.J. Tucker and Bam Adebayo. So then you're looking at, okay, who is going to fill out the rest of that rotation? And you're already going to have somebody coming off the bench who is going to be your ball-dominant player in Tyler Hero, right? Like any, as much as I love what Vic brings, any any possession where the ball is not in the hands of Hero or Jimmy Butler, or Kyle Lowry, or Bam, to me is a lost possession. you got to find a way, or maybe Max Struess if he's got a, a good defensive matchup. So you start to run out 
of, of roles for Vic. So offensively, the thing that makes Vic great offensively and what we saw in Orlando, and unfortunately, this is why when he was on bad teams, the numbers were great. When he can get into a rhythm, when he can be a volume guy and he's the only one out there that, that you really want handling the ball and scoring, he can put up numbers, right? But if you're asking me who I'd rather have the ball in, in his hands, Victor Oladipo or Tyler Hero, I'm taking Tyler. Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler, I'm taking Jimmy and Kyle and Ben. So you start to run out of the ability to do the thing that makes Victor Oladipo great on offense. So then you start to ask, okay, well, where else can he help? Is he a better defender? Like, let me ask you this. And we haven't talked about this beforehand, but who do you, who do you like better if you take out the offensive side of this and you're just talking rebounding defense and, and the things that, that make somebody fit along with a Jimmy Butler and, and a number of offensive players, who are you taking Victor Oladipo or Caleb Martin? Probably Caleb. And that's the tricky thing, right? Because yeah. I do too. And so, and, and I do a, a show with Ira Winderman from the Sun Sentinel. He brought up a great point. You know, when the Heat were going through that losing streak and their rebounding was awful, nobody was talking about the fact Caleb Martin was out. Caleb does this thing, man, where it's like, he just flies in from somewhere yeah. and, and he'll, he'll either dunk it or, and it puts pressure on the other team when it comes to rebounding. And so yeah. like, the Heat couldn't get a rebound to save their lives. And part of it was because they were easy to rebound against. It wasn't just because they didn't have the size, but you didn't have somebody like Caleb flying in there to disrupt everything. Yeah, so he just, yeah. So it's like, is Victor Oladipo a better player than Caleb Martin when you factor in everything? Yeah, I think he is. I don't think there's any disputing that. I don't think you would dispute that Caleb Martin, that uh, Victor Oladipo is one of the top seven or eight players on this team. Unfortunately, when you're talking about fit, and what you need when you're talking about playing with a number of, of players who need the ball in their hands, it's tough to find a consistent role for Oladipo in these playoffs when you're going to need those supplemental role players more so than you're going to need another, another ball dominant guy. And look, all you have to do, Will, is look at the LA Lakers this year. And, and that's a team that they decided, you know what? We don't need go back to the bubble, right? I mean, the reason why the Lakers beat the Heat, and you know, I mean, the reason why they, they beat the Heat was because Goran Dragic and Bam got hurt. Yeah. But the the guys who were really hurting the Heat, in addition, look, LeBron and Anthony Davis are great. I mean, Catavius Caldwell-Pope was a problem. Mm -hmm. Kyle Kuzma called Ale Alex Caruso was a problem in that series. You need players like that when you have ball-dominant players like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You need players like that when you have ball-dominant players like Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam's starting to grow into that a little bit offensive. Not that he needs to shoot every time, but you want to run the offense through him. So I, I know that's a lot of words to say it, in, in any other world, does Victor Oladipo deserve minutes? Does he, for all the work that he's put in, for the ability that he has? Yeah. But it's hard to find a consistent role for him unless there's an injury or unless you fall behind in a game and you need somebody to come off the bench and kind of give you a spark. Yeah, I agree with you regarding Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, the rebounding, his athleticism, uh, not, I mean, and Victor Oladipo is a bit more injury prone, you know, as we've noticed in the past. So I think that's something that, uh, that, that uh, works against Victor. So yeah, I agree with you. I'd rather have Caleb Martin, you know, crunch time on the floor than Victor Oladipo. Also, not, uh, aside from his athleticism, his dunking, uh, Caleb was shooting, I think this month, 54% from beyond three. So he's also- If I'm not mistaken, 
if I'm not mistaken, he doesn't have enough uh, three-pointers made to qualify, but I think he's either number one or number two on the team percentage-wise. Now, it won't show up in the, um, in the, in the stats, in the official stats, because he didn't have enough to qualify, but you're right. I mean, he's, yeah. he's lights out. Yeah, he is. So, I mean, yeah. And reference, I was saying because the last, because they brought in Victor Ladipo, uh, I mean, he brought in Victor because, I mean, he, he's been a solid player in the NBA for a while. And on top of that, they brought him in for the playoffs. I mean, that's some, that's the guy that they wanted because, you know, Eric Spolster, Pat Riley love those veterans. But, uh, but I mean, the young guys have just emerged, you know, and they, and they've really taken, and really taken the bull by the horns, you know, for the, well, and, the and this is, yeah, when you're looking at these potential playoff matchups, right, and you get down to the end of the fourth quarter, and again, Victor Oladipo is somebody who, you know, in his prime was an excellent defensive player, but at this point, I've seen Caleb Martin go out there and make Trey Young's life miserable. Yeah, I've seen Caleb Martin go out there, and so, like, if you're asking me who would I rather have on Kyrie Irving late in the game, Caleb Martin or Victor Oladipo, I'm leaning towards Caleb. If you're asking me who I'd rather have guarding Darius Garland, if you end up playing Cleveland in the first round, you know, because you're talking about switches and you don't necessarily always get your your number one defender on on the other team's the guy with the ball in his hands. I'm more comfortable having Caleb Martin out there in those situations at this point than Victor Oladipo. And it's nothing against Victor. It's just that Caleb's been that good in those situations. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, and, I, and I agree, Caleb Martin has been a lot has been a lot better in the situations. He's also played more. I mean, that, that also factors in, and he's been uh, much more in a part of rotation during, during the season as well. Yep. Going into playoff matchups, okay, so the, the Heat have about four possible opponents <laughs> that they could be dealing with, you know, and yep. so on. The scary, uh, the scary sister is Brooklyn, you know. Uh, that's what everyone's trying to quote-unquote avoid. I don't think the Heat really care you know, who they face because they'll take on all comers and, and they're, they're playoff tested and a couple guys on this team have championships as well, you know, but um, the Heat this year do have a 3-1 advantage, you know, over Brooklyn. Now, KD and Kyrie did, uh, they didn't play in all those games, you know, and the, and the one time, you know, and the one time that they did play, mind you, this was when the Heat were going through some trouble, they stomped on Miami. So if it is the first round matchup, I don't think it's going to be, I think, I think personally Brooklyn's going to end up drawing um, Boston, to be honest with you. But if it is, you know, if it is, you know, how do you think the heat fair, you know, in this matchup, I think they fare pretty well, to be honest with you. See, I do too. And, you know, I, I, first off, I don't think there's, I I think you're right. The heat don't care. Oh, well, the heat are going to tell you they don't care. And they don't fear any of these teams. And I think there's something, there's just something crazy about these guys that I almost think that like deep down the competitors and them would almost prefer to play Brooklyn. Like the, the crazy maniacal Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler. I want to go out there and, and prove they just, they're better when they have a chip on their shoulder. And so I think maybe they would rather play Brooklyn just because of that. I don't want to see him play Brooklyn because I don't want to get in any situation where you're having possession for possession games against Kevin Durant. Um, so in the playoffs, typically it comes down to the end of the game. And so I don't like the idea of having the best player in the world, having the ball in his hands with a chance to win the game. Now I do think the heat are better equipped to deal with both Durant and, and Kyrie Irving than anybody else in the East, just because of the number of good defenders, good to great defenders, they can roll out there. PJ Tucker is really good friends with Kevin Durant. They have a good history, uh, going back and forth. So I, it's not that you fear them. But why make life more difficult than it has to be? Because you're already going to have to play 
likely Philadelphia in the second round. You think, you think. Um, you're already going to have to play then in the Eastern Conference Finals somebody who's run, an, who's run another gauntlet, either likely either Milwaukee or, or Boston or maybe Brooklyn if they end up as the second. So why play Brooklyn in the first round and then two other really, really difficult opponents? Yeah. And again, no disrespect. And our producer David Lang says this. Whenever you say no disrespect, you're just about to give him disrespect. But no disrespect to Atlanta or Cleveland or Charlotte. They just ain't Brooklyn. Now, I will say this. I know that the Heat haven't fared quite as well against Cleveland, and I do think that their size poses some problems. I also think it's a little bit different when you're a Cleveland team that's happy to be there and a Miami team who's now game planning for playing against that size and finding a way to negate it. And also, Jared Allen uh, has been hurt. My guess is he'll probably try to play, but you know, obviously he's not the Jared Allen that you saw earlier in the season. Atlanta does concern me a little bit. I, I know I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on an island with this thing. I just, I feel like of, of the teams, they may be the most well-rounded of those four teams because Clint Capella is somebody who's going to give you problems inside. For whatever reason, John Collins kills the Heat. And, and Trey Young, I, I feel like the Heat have a good game plan for slowing him down. And yet he's, he's perfectly capable of chucking up 35 footers and going off for 40 on you, even if yeah. you do everything perfectly. And they've got players like Bogdanovich who killed him the other night that, you know, if you leave him. So I, I don't know that, I don't know that there's any one of these teams that you look at and you, you say, Oh man, that's, that's trouble for the Miami heat. But I certainly do think that if you're like ranking them, in my opinion, Charlotte's the team that you'd love to see just because they don't play a lick of defense and the heat seem to play really well against them. I think second, I'd probably go Cleveland just because I, I think the Allen situation is a tough one. And I also think it's different despite what's happened in the regular season. And then I, I would prefer not to see Trey Young. Um, so I'd probably put them third and then, and then Brooklyn fourth. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to see Brooklyn. <laughs> no, no, I really don't. No. I don't want to see And again, Brooklyn. look, it's like now their defense is horrendous. I mean, yeah. you saw it against Indiana on Sunday. I mean, Indiana's playing for nothing. A lot of those guys may, won't be in the NBA next year, but they were still putting up numbers. Um, so, like, there's a world where you play Brooklyn and you have four games out of five or six where you're up by 15 in the fourth quarter and Kevin Durant doesn't hurt you. But I don't want those. I don't want those games where it's going possession for possession late in the game against the best player in the world. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just. I mean, I agree with you. I'd rather. I'd rather uh, have it easy first round because, look, to me, it, it for me, if the Heat are going to get to the finals, they're going to have to go through Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee has Giannis. Yeah, Milwaukee has Giannis. Chris Middleton is a, is a very solid player. It's a very well-coached team. They've already tasted a championship. They got that monkey uh, of the Heat off their backs last season, so they feel they could beat the Heat. You know, so that to me is – that team is, to me, the, the real true hardcore threat for the Miami Heat if they want to get to the I finals. 100%. Now, I'll add to that. Giannis gets you to the finish line. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to carry you across the finish yeah. line on that team. Those are those two guys, they just have that extra ability that when the game's on the line, they play their best. And yeah. they just reach another. Drew Holiday, man, I, I don't think, I still don't think even after a championship, but even though he was the key difference between last year's team and the team that the Heat annihilated in the bubble, I still don't think people appreciate how good Drew Holiday is and how important he is to that team. And, you know, so, so you're, you're scared of Giannis for 46 minutes and with good reason, but in the last two minutes of the game, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday are going to kill you. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you. I, to me, everybody's talking Brooklyn. 
Boston's the hot team down the stretch. Oh, Philly, we're going to see what they're like with Joel Embiid and James Harden. No, nah, man, it's Milwaukee. And I understand because they already won a title and people want to forget about him. But no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. They're the biggest threat by far to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Philly's good and all, but uh, but let's face it. Um, James Harden loves that ISO ball, and in the playoffs, when that ball sticks, defenses tend to tend to tear you apart. And it's a look, totally look different his, ball game. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, Zach Lowe did a, a study on it. His numbers in the playoffs are awful, especially yeah. in crunch time. Yeah, I personally like to see Charlotte because because I want to see the firefight that we had the other night. You know, in terms of uh, <laughs> that offensive shooting spree, and so and I get and like you said, they don't they don't they don't play like a defense, so that uh that favors the Heat because the Heat do. So that's uh, yep. so I, my thing. Will be Charlotte, and as far as Cleveland goes, I think you're they're they're lucky to be there. Type of deal is going to sink in, and they haven't been playing well lately either. You know, so I right. think that Cleveland is a very, very beatable team. But like I said, with Brooklyn, I don't want to see Kevin Durant in the first round. You know, that's just my perspective. And I know that as a Heat fan, you want no. You know, I, I'd rather nope. I'd rather I'd rather nope. go through Charlotte and then later on worry about Giannis and Kevin Durant, and uh, 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 towards the end of the. Um, towards the end of the, the Eastern Conference uh, finals and so on. But like I said, I do believe if the Heat are going to go to the finals, we're going to see a rematch between Milwaukee and Miami. It's one way or the other. And it's going to be, it's going to be a smash mouth affair between those two teams. I, I agree. And I think, like, if you're looking at the teams that, you know, the, the, the reason why you'd be concerned with Cleveland is because of their size, right? Yeah. Look at Milwaukee. <laughs> Brooke Lopez missed most of the year. I mean, he comes back and then all of a sudden, like, their size, which gave you so many problems yeah. last year in the playoffs, their size is back. Um, so it, it's like they have the things that concern you about other matchups. The you know player like Chris Middleton who can go one on one ISO late in the game. Drew Holiday can do the same and beat you. Oh, by the way, they have the reigning Finals MVP in in Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's just yes, and again, it's like in sports media, we kind of get bored of the stuff that we already know sometimes. And it's like, everybody wants to think of the unknown and, and like create this story. And Kevin Durant is great. And Kyrie Irving is great, but man, we've seen it with Milwaukee and we've seen that they're better in the biggest moments because two of their three biggest players are better in the biggest moments. And, and yeah, I, I want nothing, nothing to do with them. And thankfully you won't have to have anything to do with them until the Eastern conference finals. Yeah, by the way, I agree with you on Drew Holiday. I absolutely – I think he's an underrated Stunned. player. But the guy, again, Stunned. two-way player, could shoot the three, could kill you in the paint as well. And he's big. You know, he, he could also uh, – uh, he could also small, um, oh. maul a smaller defender. So he's not – Remember what he did? Oh, the, the steal on Devin Booker in the finals, man. I mean, he just rips it away from – like, that's yeah. just – that's that's man strength. That's want to. And that's that's the type of – and it's also just a, a sixth sense for the game that he's got. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know this isn't a Milwaukee Bucks pod, but, uh, you know, that's a team that definitely, definitely concerns you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Clay, this was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Once again, I'd like to thank you for coming on. You know, it was a blessing having you. And we had a, I had a great time. This conversation was excellent. I love talking sports and I love the an, an analytical side of things as well. So it was, it was a, it was great having you, but I want you, and I, as promised, uh, feel free to uh, uh, talk about Local 10 and uh, the times are on and your sports show on Sunday with uh, with Will Manto. So you can hit me up on Twitter at ClayWPLG. That's probably the best place to get me. I'm, I'm not great on Instagram and oh, don't, don't, don't let our bosses hear that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, we, you know, we, we do the typical sports cast every day, four, five, six, 
we have a 10 o'clock show on WSFL and then the 11 o'clock on local 10 um, and then 1130 on, on Sunday nights is sports Sunday. And look, who knows how much we're going to be on, uh, you know, over the next couple of months, because ABC also got the NHL playoffs this year, the Stanley cup playoffs. So Florida Panthers too, man. So you could see us a lot more with, with pregame and postgame shows for both yeah. the heat and the Panthers as we're, as we're getting closer to what we hope is a run to a title for both of these games. All right. Thank you so much again, Clay. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that you came on. All right. Really Anytime, appreciate Will. Thanks. Hope Anytime. to have you on again. That's for sure. I'm a hold you to that. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. Love it. Love it. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for me and for Clay Ferraro. If you liked what you heard, please do not forget to download on anchor.fm or on Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. All right, everybody. Once again, I am Will for 305 Sports Now. I am out. See you soon and enjoy the playoffs.